Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share with you my friends' God stories. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me along with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Let's jump in. Well, welcome to the podcast, friends. I am so excited that you are here with me today. And I am excited also to have a dear friend that I met on Instagram. Shocking, right? (laughs) Lisa Valencia is here. And yes, you do pronounce it like you pronounce Valencia oranges. Mm -hmm. And she is here to share her story with us. Lisa, welcome to the Friends of a Feather. Thank you so much for having me. It is so good to actually like get a chance to talk to you like face to face. I know we're not face to face, but you know what I mean? Because I'm pretty sure that if we were in like the same city that the city couldn't handle it. Uh -uh, Could not handle it together. And it would be, it would be scary, scary thing. (laughs) So many Instagram. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, speaking of Instagram reels, you are awesome. And I love the fact that you and your husband, Brad, have this incredible ministry. And I'm going to get you to tell us a little bit about it. But I love how honest and how raw and how just open you are on Instagram about your story and about marriage. Yeah, well, it has been what I guess you could say there are times where you just feel compelled to do something. So I think, you know, our story happened in 2011. So we've had a little bit of time to walk through the the healing process and be able to look back and share our story with kind of that rawness that is, you know, when we first started sharing, it was tears and struggle and just ripping out all of those things within yourself. And so, but we have really just felt compelled by God and really led by my husband, um, as which we'll share our story a little bit, but him wanting to share our story, which I do think as, as we tell our story a little bit, it's a lot harder to share from a place of pain of shame than it is to share from a place of pain. So it really had to be kind of led from him because man, it's hard to share those like just deep, dark, you know, the things you really kind of want to keep hidden from the rest of the world. So (laughs) yeah. I want to go back to what you just said. You said that this was all in around 2010, 2011. And I remember hearing a quote where someone said, you need to heal in private before you share in public. And I love that that's what y'all have done. You really have taken the time to heal and heal your marriage and move from that. And then you're able to share and that you have done the hard work of healing because that's not the fun part. I mean, none of it's fun, but Mm -hmm. especially the healing part. Lots of painful steps, lots of conversations and rebuilding trust. And yeah, it is a, it is a long process to do. (laughs) So share with us what your family looks like, how many kids you have, what area of the country y'all live in so that we can get to know you a little bit better, Lisa. Okay. So my husband and I have been married for 20 years this June, this past June. So that's just crazy. We have three kids. I have a 16 year old daughter and two boys who are 14 and 10. I homeschool like a crazy person before everybody else homeschooled. I homeschooled. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so um, we do that as well. We live in West Texas. So um, El Paso, actually, which is desert. We are like basically the only place in Texas on mountain time. Uh, and, you know, I am I have adjusted to being a, a desert girl, but I'm originally from the Midwest and um, I mm. do still miss my four seasons. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because all you have is summer and summer. We, OK, well. I will say for those that don't know, yes, we we have summer. A lot of people say that about us, but we actually do get snow usually at least once a year. Okay. So okay. We, we do get a winter here, but we kind of just have summer and winter. And that's it. So yeah. no spring, no fall. <laughs> that's really what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it yeah. seems like. It's a little bit yeah. different than up than up north. But it I've learned okay. to find beauty in the desert, which mm. kind of goes with my story. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, let's go back. Let's take me back to I, I love how on Instagram you say God can move in impossible situations. Mm -hmm. And so I want to know what was your impossible situation? Take us back to that time. Okay. I'm going to just kind of give you like a little bit of an overview of our story. So your listeners kind of know where I'm coming from. So uh, my husband and I had been married for 10 years. We had a good marriage. Uh, I think a lot of people think that if something like our story, as we walked through an affair, that that only happens to people who have really bad marriages and that that could never happen to you. I mean, that is really how I felt. And I also really felt like if something like that ever would happen, which it wouldn't, right? That was my, mm. my genuine, uh, I chose right. I did the right things. I did all the steps. You know, this was not going to happen in my life. But if it did, I really felt like I would be the person who said, bye, bye, bye. Like, I am not going to stick through this. If that ever happened, I, you know, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Like, that's where, <laughs> that's what I felt, you know, honestly, mm. you know, if somebody had ever asked me that question and I would have just been like, no, that's a, that's a no, that's an impossible thing to come from, come back from. So when we did walk through this and, you know, my husband had really just, I would say abandoned our family. I mean, we walked through this process. Like, you know, when I found out of June that year, I mean, I was in, when I say just shock, I cannot emphasize enough. I mean, I didn't really realize at that time in my life, even after going through miscarriages and facing the hard things in my life, I did not realize the level of stress that could overcome a body in like a moment, you know, because it was like in this one little piece of news, my dreams, everything that I had ever thought was, was secure in my earthly life was gone. You know, it was just, you know, my, my family was going to be together. My kids were going to have their dad. Like this, this relationship I had with my husband, that was going to be forever. You know, that was the decision that we had made. And so in this one little moment of time, it's like there was this, this fracture of what I thought was going to be because I had this plan. I didn't even know I had a plan. Does that make sense? You know, mm -hmm. you don't realize you have a plan until the plan isn't going the way <laughs> you really wanted it to. So in that moment, um, you know, I really felt like God gave me this. It really was a divine imagery of the love he had for my husband. Because in that moment, I could not imagine doing something like that to him. And I, and I could not even look at him and think like, man, how could you walk away from your family? How could you make that decision? I couldn't understand the steps he had taken. I couldn't, you know, it was all of these things that were just 
really beyond my comprehension. And I really felt like God gave me in that moment, this little image. And I don't really know how to describe it. I just felt like for a fraction of a second, I felt the love of God over this man. And I really just saw Brad like on his knees as a broken man. And I felt this love of God for this broken man. And it enabled me to imagine that there could be something beyond this broken place that I was looking at. And so we we really, though, at in that moment, Brad wanted nothing to do with restoration. He wanted nothing to do with moving forward. Uh, he was continuing on his path of doing whatever he wanted to do. And he just rejected us, family, basically anyone that was going to speak truth over his life in that moment. He really did not want them as a part of his life. So we walked through the process and there's many different details in the middle of this story. Uh, I try to be pretty transparent with anybody that asks me specific questions, but we ended up walking through the entire divorce process. Um, He continued to just uh, not want anything to do with his family. I would tell him certain things like, you have the opportunity to change this. You have the opportunity to, you know, stop this process, this divorce process. And it's amazing because as we talk now, it is as if, you know, we talks about how the enemy, you know, just is this web of lies. And it is really, truly as if he had blinders on his eyes and his ears were stopped up. Like he cannot remember certain conversations. He cannot remember, you know, he'll pick, you would pick certain things out of our conversation. And that would be like, this highlight. And there's whole chunks of time that just really in his mind, it was like from one day to the next, like you found out and I was kicked out. Like that's what happened in his mind. So it's kind of amazing. And I I encourage women so much sometimes when they're just like, I'm trying to talk to, this isn't, this isn't my husband. Or, you know, if your husband and your wife is in this and it feels like you're just talking to like a different person, that is a hundred percent how it was with, with Brad. I mean, he just, was as checked out as you could be from the things that mattered in his life before this this time. It was as if none of that mattered anymore. So we walked through the whole divorce process and um you know really I just continued to pray. And it really got to a point of such such a place of surrender because surrender sounds really easy but it is this gut-wrenching daily thing that you have to do. And sometimes you think you've done it and then you just pick it right back up the next day and you're still carrying that same load. So I I had to constantly surrender him because there was no control. Like I kind of tried to do everything I could do. And then God had to just walk me through this process of taking my fingers off of it. And it was so painful, that process of just like wrenching each finger off of my future you know, like my family, my, my dreams, my hopes for the future and God just taking my fingers off like one at a time. And looking back, I can see that, you know, because of the person that I am and I'm I'm kind of like wanting to be the fixer that, you know, it really, God let it get as bad as it could get. So I could never take credit for any of it. Mm. (laughs) There was never anything that I could say like, oh, I did this. And that's, that's why I have this miracle on the other side of it. It's all God. It was all him, you know, and, but he took me through this process and I would just encourage any woman or man that is, is in the middle of something like this. Like you have to let God work on you. I mean, you do, you have to let God work on you. Let him work on, 
whoever it is that is, you know, in a situation and it may not be infidelity that you're dealing with. It may be just broken trust, or it may just be anger or it may, you know, there's so many things that happen in marriages that, that create this breach between people. And so whatever that is, like you can only work on you, (laughs) you know, you can only work on you. And it is so difficult to just trust that God is working on that other person. It really is. Because I remember getting angry at God and telling him like, don't worry about me. (laughs) Don't worry Mm -hmm. about me. I'm fine. Go worry Mm -hmm. about him. You know, because he had to just walk me through this process and I had to change. And I really Mm -hmm. didn't feel like that was fair because, you know, why, why should I have changed? I'm not the one doing the quote unquote wrong thing. You know, we didn't have a bad marriage. We didn't, you know, I, I kind of had these arguments and I, I I kind of like to think of it as this relationship like David has in the Psalms, you know, like (laughs) I just laid it all out, all the raw, honest garbage. And then I'm like, but I know who you are. (laughs) I know who you are. I know what you're doing. I know that you are good. And Hmm. so, um, you know, just walking through that process, like God had to do a work in me, like he had to kind of walk me through some healing before ever even bringing Brad back into the picture. It was like he had to take me through some things and it was not fun. <laughs> mm. Um and at the time your kids are 6, 4 and I four had a 9 month old. And wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so what did that look like? It was intense. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I remember just wanting to have a couple of weeks like in a cabin where I could scream at the top of my lungs and, mm-hmm. you know, just be with the Bible. And and that was just not an option. Mm-hmm. And now uh, looking back and even in the middle of it, I do see it so much as God's grace because I didn't have mm-hmm. the ability to just check out of my life. I had three young kids. They needed me, you know, mm-hmm. and I needed them to be okay. I needed them to know that their dad loved them, even though he wasn't seeing them, even though he wasn't communicating them. I, I told them every night, as much as it hurt me to do it, your daddy loves you. Mm -hmm. Your daddy loves you, you know, and, and just navigating through that process of enveloping my children in God's love and speaking life over them and, and trying my best not to let them completely see me be a hot wreck, even though there were moments, you know, I mean, there were moments I just start crying. And I remember my Mm. six-year-old just having this, I just felt like she had God's touch on her in those moments to say things where I was like, Jesus, you know, (laughs) Mm. because she would just say certain things to me. And it was just so beautiful in those little moments of just knowing that I just felt like God was just speaking through my six-year-old at times and just letting me know that he loved me and he saw me. And, you know, Mm. he, he surrounded me with, people who held my, my arms up in the battle. And that's Mm. the other thing I would tell you, man, if you're in the middle of something like you need to have people who will hold your arms up because there will always be people that will tell you, you deserve better. There will always be people Mm. that are against your marriage, man. You need to have some people that will hold your arms up in the battle pray for God's will, support you, love you, but be for marriage and not against your marriage. That's, that's so key. Uh, if you have friends who are just always agreeing with you, you probably need to, uh, broaden Mm. your friend circles. Mm. You know, you want some people who are going to help you grow. And that's what happened during that time. I was growing in my faith. It was really the first time I had, I had been a believer. I would say like my whole life, you know, I, I grew up, my dad's a pastor and, you know, I knew the truth. There were times that I definitely wasn't invest as invested, but this was the time that God's word became 
so real to me. Living and effective, sharper than any double-edged sword. Like this was this was my sustaining thing that it got, got me through the day. I had to have God's word. I had to. I had to have promises of his truth to sustain me. And I mean, if you are in the middle of that, right? And you're like, where can I get help? Where can I start there? Start in God's word. You know, I mean, I think we have gotten to a place where that's the last resort. <laughs> and it needs to be the first place we're going to. It's all in there. That's what so shocked yeah. me, you know? I mean, I until I was walking through that, there were things, verses, scripture. I just didn't realize like, oh, it's, it's in here. Like my pain mm. is in this book, you know? And it's mm. just, you know, this this truth of God just washed over all the lies that the enemy was trying to get me to believe in the middle of that place, you know, that I was ugly, that I was abandoned, that I was rejected, that I was betrayed, that I was broken beyond repair. You know, it, God's word defied those lies. You know, and mm -hmm. I needed that so desperately in those places. Well, and you mentioned about Psalms. Was there a specific scripture that God really used during that time of just that that really intense time for you to heal before yeah. your your marriage was restored? Was there a certain scripture that stood out to you? There were so many different verses mm -hmm. that you know, it was like, you know how sometimes when you are in God's word or, you know, a friend sends you something, a verse that just like, boom, you know, mm. <laughs> you know, um, oddly enough, the book of Isaiah became my, wow. my just landing point. The, the last half of, of Isaiah was so huge to me because it's about restoration. You know, there's so many, it's like this broken place. And, and then all of a sudden you're coming back to restoration. And Isaiah 46, four is my, my favorite verse, but his just, I will sustain you, you know, I will sustain you. And it just helped me to remember, like God didn't promise my life was going to be just roses, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like he didn't yeah. promise it, but he did tell me he would sustain me through it all and that he's made me and that he will carry me and he's going to rescue me. And whatever the end of that story was going to look like, I knew he was going to take me through it. And I couldn't make a plan for every little thing in the future. Um, Isaiah 54, if you start at verse five is another one. Um, it, it was one of those verses that literally a friend was calling to give me a verse and my hand would not obey where she was trying to tell me it, it was, it mm. was just such a God moment because it literally started Isaiah 54. My hand went to Isaiah 54 verse five and it says, the Lord, your maker is your husband. And it just goes down mm. as if you were a wife deserted, rejected in spirit. And it was like me looking at this thing saying, but I, that's me. That's me. You know, and then the rest of that chapter just goes on about how God rebuilds, you know, and even how the, that your children will be raised with peace, you know, and for me in that time, I was so worried about my kids, you know, what, what this was going to look like for them and all the statistics that you hear. And, you know, just knowing that God said, they're my kids, mm -hmm. you know, look to me, look to me. I'm supposed to be enough. This, this earthly man is not supposed to be the thing that we look to, to sustain us through our life. And as soon as we place something else before God, man, it all just, you know, goes down the drain. Um, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 is the armor of God. And if you have not looked at that, at those verses, I would encourage you man. Scripture memorization has become such a big thing for me. And especially during this time, 
Start memorizing some scripture. Start with that. It is literally the equipment that God gives us to fight our battles, you know, and yet we don't know it. We're just like, ah, (laughs) how can I fight? You know, and God's like, um, here, here's how you fight. And there were times that I tangibly would just say like, okay, God, I'm going to put this armor on. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would get on my knees Mm -hmm. and just say, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. (laughs) And I know that this sounds like so crazy, but in the middle of those places, I needed to remind myself I was, I had the armor of God. He Mm -hmm. had my back. He was behind me. He was fighting for me. And he had given me all of this, this arsenal that I had to be able to use to fight. And so that was such a reminder. And second Corinthians 10, three through five, just talking also again about the weapons, but I I prayed over and over and over again for Brad that every thought would be taken captive to the obedience of God. Every thought captive, every thought captive. And I just, there's such power in that, just recognizing like I'm praying, like not only that my own thoughts would be taken captive, but God, you see what he's thinking. You see what he's facing. You, you see every single thing in his mind. I'm praying every thought would be taken captive to your obedience, Mm. you know, and just beginning to just pray. I mean, God's word and prayer during that time, it was, it was a beautifully awful place to be. I mean, that's all, that's the only way I can really describe it is I have never been held more by Jesus and I have never been more broken in, in that time period. I mean, but he was so faithful to sustain me. I mean, one step at a time, one day at a time, one phone call at a time. I even had a friend at one time, at one point who I had been friends with since I was like, 13 years old, stayed at her home so many times. And I remember just telling God, I, you know, it's not fair. I'm so alone at night and I'm sitting here in my bed and he's with who knows where doing who knows what. And I'm Mm -hmm. sitting here just so alone. And I'm, and I just think it's, I, I'm glad that you're here with me, but I just, I could physically use someone to be here. Like I am Mm. so lonely and I'm telling you that same night, my friend calls me and says, I'm on a plane to come and see you. God told me to come. And she's one of the few people that I had spent so many times, so many nights. I spent the night at her house so many times. I was so comfortable with her just being in my bed and Mm. just needing to like have someone there, you know, in those loneliest moments. And so it was just a constant reminder to me that God said, I see you. I see what you're going through, even the, you know, kind of inconsequential. A lot of times we don't want to bring everything to God, you know, like here's the big thing, but you know, the dishes need to be done. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, you know, he tells us cast all of our cares on him, but Mm -hmm. we usually have a list of the things we can do and a list that we think God needs to get involved in. And so it was a time in my life where God had to show me over and over again, I want the whole list. Like I want the whole list, every single thing. Like you can't, you can't get the dishes done. Why aren't you praying to me? (laughs) Why aren't you praying for strength? Why aren't you, why aren't, why don't you have the worship music on? And you're just like, God, thank you for the opportunity to be doing these things. And I know that this sounds so crazy, but it's like that shift of perspective in your situation changes everything. That was such a long answer to your original question of like the impossible like moment, but that's what it was. It was impossible. It was impossible without God. 
100%. And I love how you said that, how you said that there would be no way that people could say that it would be because of what Lisa did or because of what friends around you did, mm-hmm. that it is totally only because of the Lord. So I want to ask you, how did that miracle take place of restoration? Because I know there are some women here that don't know if it if their marriage will be restored. Yes, they will be redeemed through this. The story will be redeemed yeah. because God is a God of redemption, but yeah. it might not look like a restoration. Yeah. So tell us how did that happen? That miracle that only God could do. Yeah. I mean, I have walked through so many with so many women who have had both sides of the coin when it comes to the end of their story. And so I just want to reiterate what you said, whatever that looks like at the end of your, this particular part of your story, knowing that God does have something greater, that that's what he said. He has something greater and he is a restorer of broken places. He makes things new. He is a God who takes those shattered things and does something only he can do. So whether or not that includes your spouse that's kind of irrelevant to what God can do in you. And so keeping that in mind, how that all kind of took place with with our miracle was my husband was just coming back from a weekend of doing whatever he wanted. And I had really been, I, I mean, really feeling just spiritual warfare, feeling like there was this clock that was just running down um, as to the opportunity for Brad to even have to say, you know, Hey, I I would choose my family. And like I said, we had gone through the entire divorce process. So at this point, we are just waiting for all the paperwork to be done. Only thing that needed to happen was the judge was to sign the paper. So at this point, we were just kind of a little bit stalled out on you know, where this was going. And my husband was headed home and he refers to it as his road to Damascus experience. Um, if you're not familiar is when, uh, Saul at the time is before he becomes Paul and God just speaks to him through a donkey, which I can't imagine. Right. (laughs) Right. And, you know, Brad says it, you know, wasn't an audible voice for him, but it was as loud as he, as he could imagine. Like it was very real and audible to him. Mm. And it was just God just saying, you know, Basically, you're on the road to death and destruction. What what are you doing to your family? And he pulled over to the side of the side of the road. It was just that powerful of a moment for him, you know, just realizing that he was at a crossroads in this moment, that he could continue down this road and really to death and destruction, right? Mm-hmm. He was just walking towards that. Or he could decide to turn. And he did call me that night and say, you know, is there anything, you know, is there any chance that we could, you know, work things out? And I said, well, stop digging. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, it was at that moment then that that restoration, I guess, began. And I would say that because in that moment, I wanted a changed man. I wanted him to come home and be everything I had prayed for for the last, you know, seven months or whatever, I was like, okay, God, you know, I kind of even had my list of like what he had to be before he could ever come home. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's crazy how God has to keep teaching you the same lessons, you know, like surrender, <laughs> surrender, surrender. And I'm like, okay, mm. here's the list. Like, so do all of these things and then we can <laughs> move forward. Yeah. So, um, really, mm. truly it was the very beginning process. And I will say to you, you know, down to the miracle of all of it, one hour after he called, my lawyer called and said, the papers are ready. So <gasps> it was just one of those things, you know, mm. that, that when you think of the Israelites before the Red Sea, right, it wasn't like, it's so easy to think about the sea parting and them having, but like, no, I mean, like 
they the dust of the Egyptians mm-hmm. were were yep. touching them. Like death was facing them. They were mm. there was not this, you know, like, oh, God's gonna part the Red Sea. Like Fine. we get to read it at the end of that miracle. But right. they, you know, they are like, I'm facing death either way. And so just recognizing how God did just like as my feet were in the water, just part the Red mm. Sea for us. Mm. But that was just the beginning. (laughs) So, I mean, I think whichever way you go on that road, because you do have the opportunity to choose, right? Whether you're going to go towards restoration, if that's a possibility in your marriage, or whether you feel like that is not something that can possibly come from those places. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew either one of those roads had a lot of brokenness down it. I just knew which which way the one road would lead. Like I had been walking that path. I knew kind of what that one looked like. And I just decided to let God show me what the other one had. And I'm so thankful that I did. Mm. Well, and I'm hearing a lot of humility that has to be in this. I'm hearing a lot of surrender. And that's really what the Christian life is about anyway. And so it's just those rough spots that we have. He wants to do those miracles. He wants to have that redemption. So what is your life like now? If you look back to 10 years ago when it was just, you know, it was only God that that got y'all through this. What would yeah. you say your life is different in your marriage now? I do have a changed husband, mm. a changed man, a hundred percent. And I say that because it was, and when, when I said it was just the beginning of that journey, because we spent years, <laughs> kind of just gut-wrenching years. You know, there was pornography that still was coming up, which made me feel all of that rejection all over mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, finding out conversations that had still happened after he came up. And there were years of just like, I remember at one point just crying out to God and just saying, let me go. Just mm-hmm. let me go. Like, why would you keep putting me in this spot so I could keep getting hurt, so I could keep facing the same pain, you know? So it really was just seeing God, recognizing that he was not just working on me. He was not just healing me. He was having to heal my husband. He was having to show him a new way of coping that he had to, you know, really had been doing his whole life. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I remember my husband one time saying like, you have no idea what I see when I look in the mirror, you have no idea. Mm -hmm. And then in that moment, realizing that, you know, cause kind of in a way I wanted him to feel shame, you know, I wanted him to like have some sort of like grasp the pain that he had put me through and, you know, recognizing like I had to change my prayer. And I started praying from that day forward that when he looked in the mirror, he would not see what he had done, but he would see what God had done for him. And I started to see that prayer coming to life. And it was over time, but I knew when it happened. I knew Mm -hmm. when those chains had finally been broken off of him. And when he started to like just fully embrace this this design that God had for him, not only to lead our family spiritually, but to step out and talk to other men and finally be okay to say, this was the road I took. Don't do it. Don't do it. Mm. (laughs) Stop. There's another way. There's another, you know, there, or there's hope, you know, if you have taken those steps, there's hope on the other side of this. So I would say that my marriage now, um, 
10 years after this happened is better than I could have ever imagined. Our sex life is better. Our, <laughs> our communication is better. Our, yeah. you know, our ability to, to be on the same team is better. I mean, these are all miracles. And, mm. and, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things to recognize. Like I, I am on the other side of many miracles and I choose to look at it that way. And, and you have to, no matter what you're in, you have to choose to look for the good. Like you can't spend your entire time looking back and trying to make somebody pay for whatever they've done to you because it'll make you miserable. It'll make them miserable. And if you are in a place of like, Hey, I'm, I'm wanting to have this restoration. You need to move forward. Mm. Like you have to push forward and not that you're not going to walk through the steps of healing because you will, but you do have to make a conscious effort. Like there is no payment for a lot of the brokenness that we see in this world. Like Mm. there was nothing that my husband could do to make it all okay for me. It wasn't really his job to make it okay for me. And even as I wanted him to, right, and there were steps he had to take. So please do not misunderstand me, but he could not heal me. He could not make it like okay for me. I had to allow God to get into those places in my life. And so just encouraging whoever is listening, like, please, please, please. I know I mentioned it earlier, but allow God to heal those places and don't expect your spouse to be the one that makes it all okay for you because that's just setting yourself up for failure again Mm -hmm. and again. I love that you brought up the word hope because I think that y'all have a mission. Y'all have started the Unrelenting Pursuit podcast Mm -hmm. and also a Facebook page and an Instagram page. And your mission is to see all marriages in an an unrelenting pursuit of love, joy, and forgiveness and how that we can see hope Mm -hmm. through that, through Jesus. And so... I love that y'all have that. Can you tell us a little bit about what we can expect when we listen to your podcast? I've listened to many of your episodes and I love how conversational they are. Y'all really, really go where you need to go. You're not afraid to bring up hard topics. And so tell us what we're going to find when we go to your podcast. I mean, I would say we're we're still learning for sure. Mm. <laughs> uh, we are still learning on this journey. We just kind of took a huge faith step to say, okay, God, um, take our broken story and use it how you will, because mm. all glory goes to him in, in the middle of this. But we are on a mission of spreading hope and and recognizing that there is something bigger beyond and, and there are things that we can do. And so I, I would say if you listen to our podcast, we are, we're just conversational. Um, it, it's fun for us to just sit down and have a conversation. We always say, Hey, we're not experts on this. We're sharing our experiences and what God has done in our lives. And, and we are willing to be really real about that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's really what it is, is us being very authentic about, Hey, we understand the struggles in marriage. We know how hopeless it can be. We know how broken things can look and we know how beautiful God can take those places and make them. Your story's incredible. And I know that you um, have encouraged women and men listening that are maybe at the brink of divorce. Maybe they're filling out the papers like you mm-hmm. and Brad did, and they just need an encouragement, an encouraging word. What would you say to that person right now that is hopeless. What was, I know we talked about scripture memorization and getting into the word of God, but anything else that you want to add before we move on to my last fun lightning round questions? Hmm. God is a God of hope. 
Mm-hmm. And I just love that about him. Like when he places hope within us, it's really against what the world says or against what maybe all of maybe maybe you're in a situation that everybody around you is just telling you you're a crazy person. Like get mm-hmm. away, run away. Yeah. But you have this thing within you that just says for some reason there's just this thing inside of me that just feels hope. And I would just say that is from God. God is a God of hope. You know, he is not, you know, the enemy is never going to give you hope. <laughs> yes. You know, Amen. so just, just really asking God. I mean, I would say just to be so vulnerable with God, to say, I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll go where you tell me to go. You know, just literally putting yourself in a place of, you know, I'll go back to it again, that, that not only surrendering someone else, but surrendering yourself. You know, if you get those things within you that says, you know, I get questions all the time. Well, how do I hear from God or how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? And I would say that there were times in my life and I, this, this is just an analogy to use, right? Like if something came up and my flesh, like, you know, at one point God told me like bake a cake for him, right? On his birthday and he's gone doing whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to bake that man a cake. Like, I'm not going to do it. I'll put laxatives in the cake. I'll do it. Like this, this is my flesh. Okay. I'm right. going to be totally sure. honest. This is my flesh. Yeah. Yeah. But I keep having this, like, you need to bake the cake, right? Mm. And so finally, begrudgingly, like, I made the cake. I was a little angry the whole time I made the cake because I would made this man a cake for the last, you know, nine mm. years of our marriage. And so I made this cake. And, and honestly, like, I wanted it to be this huge moment of, like, this was the pivotal moment for mm-hmm. my husband when I mm-hmm. made this cake that he saw the love of Jesus and uh-huh. he ate that cake and he just felt the love of Jesus and – the man does not remember me making this cake. Oh. <laughs> okay. You're like, really? Does not remember me making this cake. But I know in the middle of that, it was a God-obedient moment for mm. me. Mm. My flesh said no. And God's like, you're going to do this thing. Because it it showed me how to keep obeying. It showed me how to keep doing the things that were not in my nature. Right? So if you're wondering, like, is this God or is this me? Uh, you know you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know the things that you really want to do, right? And they're never yeah. in, in alignment with God's word or God's scripture <laughs> or his character. Mm-hmm. And if you are you have that feeling inside you that you're supposed to do something and it aligns with God's word and it aligns mm. with God's character, do the thing. I would just encourage you to just surrender yourself in that way too. That's a good word, no matter what we're walking through, but especially to follow God and have obedience toward him. That's what our pastor said yesterday at church. He said, if you feel like God's telling you to do that, it's probably God. It's not you. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. something that you know, mm-hmm. uh, that you know is that we're too sinful. We're we're not going to think of something like that. This is so great. Lisa, where can everyone go and listen to your podcast and find you to interact with y'all and uh, hear more from Unrelenting Pursuit? So you actually can just go Apple, Spotify, any of the the big ones and just search Unrelenting Pursuit. So you'll see us right there for that. Um, social media on Instagram, it's Unrelenting Pursuit with a underscore at the end. And on Facebook, it's just Unrelenting Pursuit. Okay, good deal. All right. Well, at the end of each episode, I ask my guests, what are they eating, reading, and loving? So let's start with the first one. What are you eating? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. So I am like, I didn't realize that this was just a 2020 thing, but I am obsessed yeah. with sourdough bread. Like obsessed okay. with it. It's a problem. Okay. I have this starter that's like 121 yeah. years old. Yes. It's like 
it's fascinating to me how it all works. Mm. I've done all things sourdough. It's really bad in the fact that I try to eat like a whole 30, which is more uh-huh. like just not, not eating bread. any bread. <laughs> right. So when I make fresh bread, it's like, I don't know, there's something that like literally I could eat a whole loaf of this bread. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 100%. Good. So yeah, eating that. Mm, um, okay. Reading. Um, so I just started reading a book called Control Girl. Um, it is definitely one of those that is very well timed in my life right now. Um, I, I really like like World War II books as well, mm-hmm. like in that kind of, uh, timeline, but yeah, I'm reading that one right now. And it is, um, you still think, l- let me tell you, whoever's listening to this right now, you think you learn your lessons, right? <laughs> You think you learn them and God has to keep teaching us over and over and over the same lessons. So he's still teaching me to not Mm. try to be in control. And I really am like, Mm. I'm not a control girl. Like that's how I feel about myself. Right, 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 right. Right. But then I'm like, (laughs) but then we all, that's not accurate. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay. And loving, what are you loving loving these days? Um, okay. Well, I'm trying to think of like something specific. So I, I guess my husband and I are, we're just simple people. I love Mm. good food. We love good movies. We love good friends. We Mm. love spending time with our family. Um, I'm, I'm loving that community is starting to come back together. I'm loving those kind of things. I think if 2020 has taught us anything, it is to value the things that really matter in life. And I Mm. am definitely in that place of just appreciating what's right in front of me and uh, trying to enjoy the moments because my kids are at that age too, where I kind of feel like the clock is ticking, you know? And, you know, I know when they're little and if you're listening right now and you're like, please, dear God, when, when are they leaving my house? Okay. I get that phase, you know? And it's like, I heard this saying once that uh, the days are slow, but the years are fast. And I so see that now, you know, just Mm -hmm. looking at these kids that are on the brink of being on their own. And so I'm grasping at times, hiking, doing those kind of things Mm. that just create some memories with, with my kids for sure. Mm. That's great. Hey, thanks so much, Lisa, for coming on the show on the Friends of a Feather. You have an amazing story and I love how you are open to share it. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for joining me for today's show. For more encouragement, hop on over to Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. I would love for you to send me a direct message and say hi. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, we are all Friends of a Feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.